A real pleasure to say good morning and welcome back to our first guest on the program today. He has been a good friend of our show since his many years as the National Director of the Canadian Taxpayers Federation. He's moved on to the Macdonald Laurier Institute where we've spoken to him before. As we say welcome back to Aaron Woodrick, the Director of Domestic Policy Programs for Macdonald Laurier. Aaron, good morning. Welcome back. Hey, good morning, Sir Dunk. Thanks for having me. Always a pleasure. Uh, it's good to have you with us. And you're uh, you're taking your day, doing a bit of a deep dive in the National Post the other day, and tapping into the anger that is so evident across this country this summer. This is not just about freedom convoys or whatever handy little uh, label you'd like to put on all of this. There's a lot more going on, and as you point out in the National Post the other day, much of it, Aaron, has to do with who's in charge anyway, and what terrible job many of those people in charge are doing. Flesh it out for us this morning. Yeah, look, Sterling, I really wrote this because I I was trying to put my finger on a a very common sentiment right now. You see it in the news in various ways, whether it's uh, frustration with people trying to get passports, whether it's delays at airports. We've heard news about uh, immigration application backlogs, you name it. It just does not seem like government right now um, at various levels, municipal, provincial, federal, are doing a very good job. Um, And that, I think, is translated into a lot of frustration amongst Canadian public. I don't think it's an ideological thing. I don't think it's a left or a right thing. I think a lot of people just sort of expect things to work better than they are right now. And you're starting to see that frustration boil over um, in the opinion polls. You know, anyone who is running a government right now, a lot of people take a dim view. And I wrote this piece also to just sort of caution that, um, you know, there are some governments that want to do even more. And it's a pretty, I think, uncontroversial point that if the the things on your to-do list right now are not getting done, it, it might not be a good idea to add too many more things to that list until you've got straight what you what you're already obligated to take and care of. And you're talking about things like rolling back the uh, nitrogen quantity quality of uh, fertilizer and all sorts of other to-do list things. And by the way, your point has been, well, shall we say, dramatically underscored by an editorial in the Post Media Group this morning, Aaron. Right across the country, the editorial says, Canada's airport mess and international embarrassment. And they go on and on to talk about flight analytics. Let me just quote very briefly. Flight analytics reveals this summer, Toronto's Pearson International Airport is the worst airport in the world for delays and fourth worst airport in the world for cancellations. This means there are airports, Aaron, in third world countries, theocracies and unstable regimes that are able to better manage their air travel than Canada has been doing How humiliating, say the editors at the Post Media Group today. Yeah, it's it's really embarrassing, although maybe the folks in Toronto are happy that they're number one at something. That's mm. probably not the list they wanted to be at the top of. But it also sort of, uh, I think, explodes the myth, Sterling. You know, some people have said, well, you know, it's uh, it's not particular to Canada. There's problems all over the world. That's true. Um, but it, why are we the worst of the bunch? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think part of the problem is, Sterling, that there are people who, um, they're, they're more concerned. They've got so many ideas about what government should be fixing that rather than focus on a few things and doing those things very well, they want to do everything and we see the result of that now in all in, in things in the airports and the passports are just two examples i mean there are many many things where people uh just feel government is not doing a good job and the thing i say to folks who want government to do more things because i recognize you know different people have different views about how much government should do is that even if you want government to do more you should be concerned about this because you, people will lose trust in the institution of government altogether if you don't do um the basics 
properly. And you consider the current government partnership configuration between the Liberals and the NDP, uh, for whom there is no such thing as a government too big. Let me again quote from your article here. Quote, our military is starved of both jets and ships. Many rural indigenous reserves remain without potable water. Money laundering is rampant. And the Trudeau government had a well-developed, rather, a well-earned reputation for being really good at announcing things, but not so good at delivering them. This was a comment about the situation pre-COVID. And of course, it's gone downhill since then. It absolutely has. And another recent example that I think brought this to the fore was the Rogers uh, network outage, Sterling. So here you have a situation where, I mean, this was a this was a huge gap in Canada's critical infrastructure. I mean, yep. the, the Internet and wireless networks are not a, a fun thing anymore. Our lives all depend on them. I mean, people couldn't, 911 lines were down, people couldn't access to their bank accounts. I mean, this was a big problem. But when you go back and look, what is the federal government focusing on when it comes to telecoms and the Internet? Well, it's about regulating content. It's about trying to uh, micromanage what happens on the internet in terms of what Canadians see. So they got it wrong. I mean, this is something government has a role in regulating the internet, but shouldn't it be about securing the infrastructure and making sure Canadians have access to it rather than worrying so much about content? So that's just another example of why the, where the government's got its priorities wrong. Well, and you know, and, and, and tapping into the anger has never been a, a, a something that politicians have shied away from. It's it's one of their main main accesses to the public. But, you know, there's right now a guy called Pierre Poilievre who's out there basically banging on the doors and raising a ruckus and saying things, quote, like a government that does a few things right rather than a lot of things poorly is what most Canadians are after these days. And he's right. There's nothing wrong with with identifying uh, what the anger is all about and proposing a solution, particularly if you're in the opposition, because as I understand the role, that's exactly what they're supposed to do. Yeah, and look, I, I, again, I, as I said in the piece, I, I don't think Canadians, for the most part, are ideological, but surely we can agree that even before we start taking on more, um, you have to get the basics right first. So I, I know, you know, Mr. Polyev's uh, track record suggests he is genuinely a believer in small government himself, but I think the comment is, is quite clever in that he's also appealing to people that might be pretty ambivalent about whether they want big or small government, but what they do know is whatever government's doing, they want it to do it well. Well, isn't that the first function, the first primary function of any government anywhere is to run the show efficiently? Sure, you can change the world to the best of your ability, but you're, you've been hired primarily to do a good job of running the country. Yeah, and, and I mean, it, it also trickles down, Sterling, when you look at provincial and municipal governments, a lot of municipal governments are seized with sort of um, broader sort of equity issues, um, you know, fighting social ills. These aren't unimportant things, right. but really the, the basic function of municipal governments is if you can't pick up the garbage, if you can't clear the snow, if you can't keep the parks clean, these sorts of things, if you neglect those things, and then people see you spending time in city council debating these sort of abstract issues, I think people start to get frustrated. And so I think this is a... This this is a good opportunity for governments everywhere to sort of step back, say, look, let's get the basics right, and then we can talk about what we want to do uh, once we figure that out. Interesting, because there's this whole 2030 Olympic thing going on here in Vancouver. Many of the people see that as a distraction, a shiny object, to sort of have our attention uh, refocused on things that, well, don't matter a great deal, but are of importance to politicians. 
Yeah, and I think it's things like Olympics, which are always money losers and are largely the, the main reason for having those in Sterling is prestige. Sure. There's not really any economic benefit. Ask the folks in Calgary who had a referendum on this issue and, and voted heavily against it. Yep. Um, I, you know, I heard your, your, your clip earlier, and I absolutely think people in Vancouver should have a say in this because it is going to be, they're going to be, uh, you know, the bill is going to be stuck with them in large part. So if, if they're going to, if the city is going to take this on, you know, they, they definitely need to have their voices heard first. Absolutely. Aaron, always a pleasure to have you on board. We do appreciate your observations. Uh, you certainly have tapped into a very raw nerve amongst many millions of readers this week with that excellent column in the National Post. Thanks for joining us again. Have a great weekend. Thanks a lot, Sarah. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance <laughs> recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.